Amen. Good morning. I tell you what, that is um, probably one of my all-time favorite pieces of music that our choir just uh, shared with us. And every time they sing that song, all I can think about is what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I rejoice that we can stand before God in the righteousness of another and not in our own. I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis, the Old Testament book of Genesis, chapter 45. Genesis 45. And I wonder this morning, have you ever experienced a crisis in your life? Have you ever been falsely accused by someone? Have you ever been mistreated by someone? Have you ever been stuck in maybe a, a life's just not fair routine? Right. If there's one thing that I've learned after 38 years of pastoral ministry and walking through difficulties with members of the church... I've come to believe that the trials that life throws at you will always reveal what's going on inside you, right? Whatever you're experiencing in this life, it ultimately will reveal the depth of your walk with Christ. All of us here today can have times in our life when the reality of our life just, maybe it doesn't line up with the picture of our life that we have painted it to be. And in those moments, we can find ourselves saying, you know, God, why me? As if to say, you know, God's just not here with me when I hurt. Or maybe we find ourselves stuck in the, uh, you know, what God is not doing instead of what God should be doing. Maybe we view our relationship with God something like a genie in the bottle where we just expect God to grant us whatever we want. We're going to take a look at the last main character in the book of Genesis. And we're going to take a look at the life of an individual who trusted God in spite of his circumstances. We're going to take a look at a man who through all the trials and all the temptations that he faced, he showed integrity, honesty, mercy, forgiveness. I mean, Joseph, after all, may be the greatest example of character and integrity in the Bible because no matter how he was treated, in spite of false accusation, even though he was rejected and abused and abandoned and forgotten, he absolutely refused to bear a grudge or grow bitter. Now, Jacob was an old man when Joseph was born. Joseph is the twelfth son to Jacob. Uh, Jacob was 91 years old when he was born. Right after Joseph was born, he moved his family back to Canaan. One of the things we know when we think about the story of Joseph 
is that we know that Jacob loved him the most, right? We're very familiar with the code of many colors. As the Bible says in Genesis 37, Jacob loved Joseph more than all of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And so what does he do? He gives him a code of many colors. In essence, he is putting his love on display. He is taking one son and elevating him above the rest. Now, if you're a parent with small kids in your home, let me just mention that the result of treatment like that is never going to be good. It's always going to result in feelings of anger and jealousy and actions of deceit. Verse th- chapter 37 and verse 4, it says they hated him and they could not speak peacefully to him. In other words, this coat was like a bomb that was strategically placed in that home. And so later when Joseph uh, tells his brothers his dream, they, they, they basically say to him, who do you think you are? that we are going to serve you. And Joseph says, well, hey, it gets even better than that. Even the sun and the moon and the stars are bowing down to me. And when he told them that, that was the fuse that lit the bomb. And so what they end up doing, reveal their anger and their jealousy. In fact, had it not been for the oldest son, had it not been for Reuben, they, they would have... Uh, murdered him, they would have cut him up into pieces. Instead, they throw him in a pit, they sell him as a slave, they dip his robe in blood's goat, they tell their daddy, he's dead, he's gone. So we find Joseph's life now as a 17-year-old boy sold into slavery. He ends up in a country he does not know. He ends up in a culture he does not fully understand. He ends up in a land where they speak a language he does not speak. He finds himself in the home of Potiphar, the captain of the guard, a man who is so powerful that he holds life and death in his hands. Soon, Joseph grows as a handsome young man. And soon Potiphar's wife sets her eye upon him. She tries to seduce him. He does not respond as a man of integrity who feared God. And then ultimately she sets a trap for him. In chapter 39, when Potiphar is gone, she sends out all the servants and then she grabs him and demands sex. She holds on to his clothes. He turns and runs. So he's running out of the house completely naked. In fact, that's where the first streaker came to to be, right? Genesis 39. So she tells Potiphar that he raped her. Joseph, falsely accused, ends up in jail. For what? For his integrity. For his honesty. For his fear of God. The Bible tells us when you read the ends of Genesis. That the Lord was with 
Joseph. And even when he was in jail, he partnered him with a baker and a cupbearer who upset Pharaoh. Pharaoh had dreams that they could not interpret, and they ended up in prison. Then, when they have dreams, Joseph tells them that the baker would be executed in three days and the cupbearer would return to Pharaoh's house. In fact, when it came to be and the cupbearer was on his way back to Pharaoh's house, Joseph simply said in chapter 40, please remember me. But he didn't. They forgot him. Two years go by. Joseph is still in prison. When no one could interpret Pharaoh's dream, then the cupbearer remembers Joseph and brings him out. And Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream. We're going to have seven years of blessing, and it's going to be followed by seven years of famine. So we better gather all of the grain that we can. We better store it up over these seven years so that when the seven years of famine come, we will not lose a single life. And as a result... Pharaoh gave power to Joseph. Joseph became the most powerful man in his house. So we have seven years of great prosperity in the land. And Joseph is very wise. The wisdom of God is upon his heart. And so they build rooms, they build storehouses for all of the grain over the seven years of famine. And now we're in year two of the famine, when the Bible says in Genesis 41 that food was scarce, and then it says all of the earth came to buy grain in Egypt. And that included the house of Jacob. So I want you to picture this scene. You were sold into slavery when you were 17 years old. Now, you're 39 years old and you are in charge of the entire world's food supply. 22 years have passed. And all of a sudden, your brothers come walking through the door. You have the opportunity, right? You can take that little zip drive out of your pocket and you can plug it into your laptop and you can rewind all that they did to you. You're a man of power. and You have an opportunity to display your power. Joseph recognized his brothers, but they certainly did not recognize him. They did not expect to see him there. He spoke to them in Egyptian through a translator. And you know the story. He accuses them of being spies. He, he, he uh, tells them that um, they're going to have to ultimately come back and they're going to have to bring the youngest of the boys with them. 
He has them put in prison for a few days. They speak in Hebrew, thinking he doesn't understand a word that they're saying, and he understands every word. In fact, in chapter 42, they say to each other in Hebrew, in Joseph's listening ear, we are guilty. We have no one to blame but us. Joseph's listening. So he keeps Simeon, sends the rest back home to Canaan for Benjamin. He fills their bags with grain. He even gives them back their money. Right? They get near home. They find the money. They're frightened. They tremble. In Genesis 42, they actually say, What is this that God has done to us? In other words, they're asking the question, God, what are you up to here? I wonder if you've ever been there. I wonder if you've ever walked through a trial in your life, you've walked through adverse circumstances, and you ask yourself, God, what are you up to? When the grain was gone, Jacob agrees to send Benjamin. So they go to Egypt. They stand before Joseph. Joseph ultimately prepares a banquet. He brings his brothers into his home. He asks about their father, his father. He sees Benjamin, his little brother, for the first time in 22 years. He collapses in his spirit. In fact, in chapter 43, in verse 30, it says, Then Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm for his brother, and he sought a place to weep. He goes out, he weeps alone, he pulls himself back together, he comes back in, he sets the banquet table, and you know the story, he places them in the exact order of their birth. And when we come to chapter 45, Joseph could not control himself. He weeps before all of his brothers and he says, I am Joseph. And the text that was read for us earlier, beginning in verse 4 of Genesis 45, And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. God sent me here to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land for these two years, and yet there are five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He calmed their hearts. He sent for his father. You can imagine the family reunion that they had when Jacob arrived. If you read the rest of Genesis, you know that they lived out their days in Egypt. Next week we'll dig a little bit farther when we take a look at the life of Moses. Even after Jacob died, his brothers feared what Joseph might do. And so, in fact, after Jacob died, they sent word to Joseph and said, Hey, Joseph, you know, Dad said before he died, the last thing he said was, you got to forgive us for what we did. 
And we have in chapter 50. His brothers came, fell down before him. We're your servants. And Joseph said to them, do not fear. I'm, am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Now church, when you look at someone's life and the things they have to face, when you look at things like betrayal and temptation and false accusation and imprisonment, etc., you would expect to find certain things. You would expect to find a life filled with anger and bitterness and cruelty and harshness and resentment and revenge. But in Joseph, you find mercy and forgiveness. Now, there are two truths that I want to share with you about this text today. And let me jump into these. First, Truth number one, mercy and forgiveness must be received before they can be reproduced. Mercy and forgiveness must be received before they can be reproduced. Mercy is compassion. Mercy is that description of an individual who, although they could deal harshly with someone, instead they extend mercy. Forgiveness it literally means to let go. It's letting go of wrongs that are done. It's letting go of false accusation and false treatment. Now, when I think about the story of Joseph, I cannot help in my mind, but at the same time, think of somebody else. I think of another individual who was dearly loved by his father. I think of another individual who was betrayed for silver. Someone else who was tempted but did not sin. Someone else who was imprisoned but later elevated to a place of authority. Truth number two is very simple. God sent Joseph to preserve life, and he sent Jesus to purchase life. God sent Joseph to preserve physical life, but he sent his own son to purchase eternal life for all who would believe. Right? Jesus is a greater Joseph. He was deeply loved by his father. He was betrayed by one of his disciples for silver. He was tempted by Satan but without sin. He was imprisoned on a cross and he was elevated. He is elevated to a place of authority right now, this very moment. And his name is above every name. The day will come when at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
So can I just say to you today, if you're here this morning and perhaps, just perhaps, you're far from God? Has Jesus Christ purchased eternal life for you? Because, dear ones, the Bible is crystal clear. Right? Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. All of us are going to stand before God and give an account of our life. You're either going to stand before God in your own goodness or in the goodness of another. It's like our choir led us just a moment ago. The blood of Jesus speaks for me. Can I just ask you today? Right now, this very moment, does the blood of Jesus Christ speak for you? And if you're not certain, and you're not sure, and you want the blood of Jesus to speak for you, then just cry out to Him right now in the pew where you're seated. Jesus, cleanse my heart, forgive my sin, live in my life. Thank you for purchasing eternal life for me. And if you make that your prayer to the Lord right now today, based on the promises of the Word of God, He will give you eternal life right now today. Now, for believers, how does the story of Joseph impact your life? What does it mean for us and the things that we face and the trials that we deal with and the circumstances of life that we walk through? Let me mention just a couple of things, if I might, this morning. First, temptation. Right? How do we address temptation? How do we deal with temptation? Well, as a Christ follower today, you can resist temptation by remembering that Jesus is greater than your temptation. You can resist temptation by remembering that Jesus is more real to you than your temptation. When do we become overcomers? When Jesus Christ takes complete control. When He is Lord of all, we overcome. Secondly, you can trust God in spite of your circumstances. How? Look for God's hand in what you're going through right now. In every circumstance of Joseph's life, he feared God and he looked for God's hand. He looked for what God was up to in his life. He saw even difficult circumstances of his life as something that God allowed. And in some cases... God planned. In other words, Joseph arranged the events of his life so that nothing was lost. Listen, don't go through pain. Don't go through that trial. Don't go through that circumstances, that circumstance without losing what God has for you and how God wants to grow you and how God wants to teach you and how God wants to show himself mighty and strong on your behalf. Maybe not by delivering you the way you think God ought to, but certainly by carrying you through whatever circumstance you face. I've had many, many people over the years simply say to me, Pastor, I don't know how I, I walked through that. I don't know how I made it. I think God carried me. 
And I believe that he does. Third, you can live your life free from bitterness today by extending the same kind of mercy and forgiveness that Joseph did. Now, dear ones, I don't know what goes on inside your skin or the memories that haunt you or the pain that you live with because of maybe somebody else's actions, but I can tell you this. There are few things that are more troubling than a bitter person. Bitterness is when you take that little zip drive and you plug it in to the memory and you just rewind it over and over and over and over again. Not long ago, an individual made this statement to me. Pastor, I can forgive, but I will never forget. I said, well... As I understand, forgiveness is a choice, and so is forgetting. It's a choice. You can choose not to replay those wrongs in your life over and over and over again. You can make that choice. And this individual finally looked at me after a moment of silence and said, Well, I guess I just choose not to. Let me ask you a question. Is that the way, fellow Christ follower, is that the way you want the end of your years to be? Do you want to come to the end of your life holding on to those circumstances and those events and those things when God clearly says, let it go? Do you know the last thing that was said about Joseph's life? The last thing that was said about Joseph when he died? Here it is. Let me show it to you. It's in chapter 50 and verse 26. So Joseph died being 110 years old. They embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. That's all that was said. It was all that was needed to say. Because Joseph was led by the grace of God. He spoke by grace. He forgave by grace. He forgot by grace. He loved by grace. Man, what a way to bring your life to a close, right? Right? You just live for the glory of God. You forgive. You let go. You extend mercy. You walk in God's grace. And then they throw you in the dirt and go home and eat potato salad. I mean, how great is that? It can be true of you. It can be true of you. To let go of the things that haunt you and the wrongs that have been done to you and the things that have been said about you and just walk in the grace of God and learn from God and take in from His grace and experience His love and display His mercy and just give forgiveness to everybody around you. Now that, that's a way to live. Let's pray together.